everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is the managing partner of Thinking Dimensions Global Consulting and a member of the board of directors at Strategy Tools. He has worked with boards, CEOs, private equity, and senior leaders on strategy, M&A, and digital transformation, delivering sustainable results on five continents. I would like to welcome Scott Newton to our show. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you today. Hey, thanks for the invitation, and it's wonderful to be here, Ray. Well, Scott, would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that most people may not know about you? Okay, so I'm based in Northeast Italy, so I live in between Milan and Venice in a little town called Asolo. My work is mostly with family-controlled organizations, so about 70% of the companies I work with have family members involved, and even if they're quoted on the stock exchange, the family still has an important role in the organization, and the other 30% I work with are multinationals. Really what I focus on is strategy, and this is about helping company leaders and board of directors decide what will be their future and how can they best realize that future and, and get the outcomes they expect. Fun fact that not everyone knows, I grew up in Western Canada. I love Vancouver. I miss the West Coast, and I still am a huge fan of the Pacific Ocean. People always tell me, oh, you speak so well without an Italian accent. I said, there's a reason for that. <laughs> so here we are. I, I can I can sense the accent. It's not Italian, but but definitely there's one there. So how long have you been in Italy? I've been here for 22 years now. I do travel all over the world, so I'm not just based in Italy. Business operations take me to United States, Canada, Mexico, Asia Pacific, Australia, Latin America. Africa. If I've forgotten something, excuse me, pretty much everywhere except Russia. So that's <laughs> my, my territory. And you just mentioned you work on strategy with board of directors on future planning. What does that look like nowadays with things like AI and different factors? Because the world's going a little sideways. How do you stay focused and how do you forecast the future? Yeah, well, well the world, I think, always feels like it's moving very fast in some ways. I remember also back in 2001, for an example, with World Trade Center and people were saying, we don't know, there's no future of globalization. People aren't ever going to take airplanes again. And of course, we know that's not the case. Similar after the great financial crisis in 2008, people said, that's it. Capitalism's over. Banks are done. Government is going to have to take control. And we know that's not the case. COVID, we'll leave that topic alone other than to say everybody's not still living in a bunker in their backyard working on Teams and Zoom. So that wasn't the case. And now we have our current situation, which of course is terrible in some respects. We've got war in Ukraine. We've got a number of factors we couldn't predict. And then there are some very exciting things, which include technology. So 
the boards and management teams I've been working with and collaborating with have been talking about machine learning and RPA or robotic process automation for years and have been working on building these into their organizations for more than a decade. So this is not new. Probably what is new is to see that these large learning models that are now available for free or very little money in the public domain have a remarkable ability to predict how to put words together. And long term, what will this mean? I don't think today it will mean much, but longer term, of course, it will change the way we work. And what I'm talking about with boards and management teams are what's business going to be like in 10 years? What's your company going to look like in 20 years? And so we have to balance this short term. How do we get the results today that investors deserve and need with long term What's the world going to look like in the future? And of course, no one has a crystal ball, but we can make predictions and bets and run experiments so that we're ready for what our customers expect and deserve. Now, I recently read an article in Forbes about the loss of jobs and loss of sectors due to AI, and the biggest and first impact is going to be on banking. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there are some areas definitely in finance that are ripe for automation. What I mean by that is... Frankly, those jobs can be done by computers. But this has gone on through time. If you go back to the 80s and you look at when Lotus 123 first came out, there were all the people predicting. They said, that's the end of the accountant. Nobody needs accountants anymore. And actually, we have more accountants that's right. than we had when, when VisiCalc and Lotus came to the market. So there will be a transition in jobs. And the jobs and careers in finance will be different than today, but I think they'll still exist. They'll just have a different way to add value for customers. Gotcha. Now, one thing that you speak often about is ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. What does ESG mean to you? That's a great question. And I actually just got off a call with a client about this. When I look at ESG, let's just be clear. We're talking about environmental, social, and governance factors that are intended to be a risk framework for organizations to use. Every company, whether you have two employees or two million employees, needs to think about how you're impacting the environment, how social issues will impact your organization. And then from a governance point of view, whether you're a startup or a multinational, you need to be thinking about how do we take decisions in a responsible way and how do we have controls so that we minimize risk of those decisions we can take that really blow up the company or cause unnecessary suffering to our stakeholders. How is that managed or how is that policed? At the governance level? Right. So at the governance level, there are organizations that talk about good governance and there are programs at many of the leading universities that help directors learn what is good governance. At the root of it, what we want to be saying is that there's not one person taking decisions, that there are checkpoints and balances, that risks are being adequately measured and monitored, and that we understand and collectively agree on what the impacts can be. And I'll give you a very simple example. Unfortunately, it was in the press a lot. Let's look at Boeing and the 737 MAX. Looking back now, Boeing knew there were issues with 737 MAX, and they've admitted to those issues and they've paid some penalties, so this is not controversial. Why is that? There was too much pressure from the top that this plane had to get out and it had to be sold, even when reports started coming back from pilots that there was something really wrong with this plane. It was a matter of, we don't want to hear it, we need to hit our next quarter, or we don't want to hear it, this is our best-selling plane. And People died as a result of that, and we don't need that to happen. And so not all decisions are going to be life and death, thankfully. But from a governance point of view, we want to make sure that our organization 
is doing everything possible to make good decisions. And look, I can't see the future either. I don't have a crystal ball and I'm not saying, oh, I would have done this or I would have done that. What I can say and what I do encourage organizations to do is build proper decision-making into their governance structure so that one person or a small group of people don't take control with a decision that's highly risky and leads to bankruptcy or worse. That's perfect. Now, every single business is different when you talk about governance or looking at the future of the business, do you base this off of past trends from that certain industry? Uh, good question. So let's separate two things because one is about strategy and one is about the actual governance. Mm -hmm. I'll start with the strategy question. I often say the future is not X plus one, meaning we cannot go back in time and simply make a linear regression model and say, if we sold 100 cars this year, we want to grow 10%, so next year we'll sell 110 cars. That's not good decision-making. Maybe I sell zero cars this year, or I sell 1,000 cars. So I can't use linear models to predict the future. What we can do, though, are look for what author Rita McGrath calls weak signals. Weak signals are those little blips of information that are floating around that tell us things about the future or customer preferences in the future. And I'll give a very quick example of this. Many years ago, Cisco, the American networking company, was working with Amazon, which at the time was a book selling company. And Cisco made a piece of equipment called a switch that helps computers network data and move data around networks. And the biggest switch Cisco sold at the time was a 100 megabyte switch. And they got this very strange phone call from engineers at Amazon. They said, could you build us a thousand gigabyte switch? And the engineers at Cisco said, well, <laughs> no, it would be like, you know, if you had your car with 150 horsepower motor, someone came to you and said, could you build that with 150,000 horsepower? <laughs> the engineers though at Cisco were bright enough to ask the question, why does a company in Seattle selling books want this piece of equipment that not even the military would buy? And then of course they found out about Amazon AWS web services and cloud. And that was the moment that the Cisco CEO and board said, we need to learn about this cloud thing. We need to be there because that's the future. So that's a weak signal. It's one customer asking for a very strange product that doesn't exist and an engineer or a customer service person or R&D being bright enough to say, why would somebody even want that? What could they possibly be doing with it? And when they learn, then wow, all of a sudden you create an entire new industry. 20 years ago, nobody even knew what cloud was. You know, if you said, I'm working in the cloud, they'd say, whoa, I don't think that's legal in this state, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now, I'd like to change directions and get to know you a little better. Now, you have a very complex mindset, and I love it. You know a lot. You do a lot. You work with a lot of companies. You're a pretty awesome guy, Scott. Have you always had this mindset? Yeah, thanks for asking, Ray. The answer is yes, and I've learned about it. Even as a small kid, and this sounds pretty weird, as a small child, my parents would take me to factories. And I love to go visit factories, you know, factories that are open for tours. So we'd go visit the Oldsmobile factory where they made the engine. We'd go visit the Kellogg's factory where they made cereal. And I would just be fascinated by this because I would learn about things and just watch these machines and then wonder, how did anyone ever put this all together? I mean, it's so complicated. It's so huge. And how do they do that? What was the start of the thinking? What I realized as I got older, though, is that curiosity on its own is not enough. So you can be very curious, but that doesn't mean you necessarily be very effective. 
And so what I've learned and what I've worked on developing is the ability to take that curiosity and then leverage it to outcomes. What one of my business partner calls the so what. So you know, if you see something and you say, well, Cisco's building these huge switches, then the answer would be, so what? You know, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, maybe the future is going to be different. The future is not X plus one. So that's kind of how I've evolved this over time and really worked on my questioning in terms of how can I ask better questions, but then listen to the answers and use them to make a difference as opposed to just saying, well, that's interesting. What a great philosophy. I love that. Now I'm going to have to use that. So what? Now, you are a very, very busy man, five continents. You work with a lot of businesses, 50 million plus as far as revenues. Correct. How do you yeah. find balance in your life? Now, there's a good question. So I think the best person to ask for this would be my wife. <laughs> but but let's, let's, no, let's dig into it. I didn't always have balance in my life. When I was younger, I would literally sleep four hours a day. I thought that was okay. Because I'd be like, hey, I'm way more productive because then I have all these extra hours I could be working. And up to a certain point that worked really well. But then like anything, more effort doesn't necessarily mean more outcomes. And fortunately, I recognized that before I got burned out. And in our industry, a lot of people do get burned out. It's quite common, but I did recognize that. And now what do I do? I love to go hiking. I love anything to do with nature. I love to turn off. So a lot of times on weekends, especially if we go out, my wife and I, or, or friends hiking, we don't bring any phones. Digital detox, I, I really enjoy that still. At least for me, it's very important because all the vibrating watches and bells and buzzers, you can feel like you're a lab rat at a certain point where you're just responding to stimulus. I like to do things in my garden. All things really close to home. When I was younger, I also traveled really extensively. I still travel quite a bit for work, but you know, we explored Africa, we explored Asia Pacific, we, we did a lot of things and, and went to find the most off the beaten track places we could find just to see how people live and work and eat and sleep. And that was also really good for rejuvenating because it's good for reflection to understand where I live compared to where other people live and, and why their perspective might be pretty different than mine. That's a great answer. And speaking of perspective, how do you define purpose in your life? When I look at purpose... I look at three things. The first is, you know, am I following my values? This is first and foremost. And then the second thing is, how are the actions I'm taking impacting not only myself, but people around me and the planet? And then the third, and obviously as with most people, the more mature I get, the more I think about this, what's the legacy or what's going to be the long-term impact of those actions and then eventually where that all leads to is, you know, what would you like to be remembered for? What would I like people to say about me when I'm not here? That was actually one of my next questions for you, but I'll skip that one for now. <laughs> so what actually led you to discover your purpose, to put together your three principles on your purpose? Was there a certain time or an event in your life? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. One of the programs that our company has is based on really linking your visions and beliefs and values to your actions. And when I started working on this, I thought, well, hang on a minute. I can't ask other people to do this if I don't do it myself. And do I believe in it if I haven't done it? And then so starting with a piece of paper and just saying, okay, let's write down what are my values and why do they matter to me? And understanding what a difficult exercise that was to say, okay, what really am I all about? And then over time, this is going back 
quite some decades now, but over time I've continued to update that and reflect on it. But the real trigger was I understood I couldn't be a good leader and I couldn't be a good decision maker if I wasn't grounding that in something. And that's something, I mean, what's it going to be? You could say pick your choice, but at least I felt it really comes down to my beliefs and values. You know, why am I doing this? What's the reason? You know, I love that question and I'm going to start using that, especially in my life. There are a lot of things that I do question when it comes to my purpose and what I'm doing. But the question, do I believe in it if I haven't done it is a great question. And it's a great measure to live by. And I appreciate that. Now, in today's fast paced world, it's really easy to become overwhelmed and become distracted, especially traveling all around the world. I'm sure you see a lot of fun stuff, a lot of great stuff. There's also a lot of noise out there, right? How do you stay grounded and stick to your purpose through all of this? Excellent way to put it. There's a lot of noise. And most of that noise has no function except to distract you. It's junk noise. I kind of say, you know, when you're really hungry and you don't have time to eat properly and you say, oh, I'm starving and look, there's a McDonald's or whatever. I'm not picking on McDonald's. But, <laughs> and you go and you eat too much fast food really fast. And for about three minutes, it's super gratifying. And then you spend the next eight hours going, why did I do that? You know, what, what's wrong with me? And that's the same as all that noise around you. You can pick it up and you can say, oh, what's going on? Or why is that politician doing this? And shake your fist at the TV screen or at the magazine. But that's not useful. That's kind of like eating all that fast food too quickly. It doesn't help you. And so what I really work on when I'm traveling, also when I'm not traveling, but especially traveling is what are the things I need to get done? What is it I need to listen to? So I really need to know this information and what's going to help me with the reason I'm even on this trip. So if I'm going somewhere for work, there has to be a purpose a reason I did that. And, you know, how am I going to make sure that gets accomplished? Now, that doesn't mean that I don't find and learn and see things that were unexpected outside of this. However, don't get distracted, as I say, by the shiny squirrel. It's running up the tree. You say, oh, look, there's a bell. Let's run. Don't do that. Keep on your tasks and keep focused on what it is you really came to accomplish. And then the last thing I'd say is get better. And I'm, I'm still improving, but I'm building on this at saying no. The temptation to say yes to things just because someone asked you, you don't need to do that. I think that's probably a lifelong mission, getting better at saying no. Saying no to that shiny squirrel sometimes can be difficult, but just saying no in general and sticking to your purpose is the best thing to do. I love that. Thank you. Now, going back to your legacy, what is it that Scott Newton wants to be remembered for? If there's one thing I'd love to be remembered for, it's helping people make better decisions, especially in the business context. Every day, every leader around the world has to make hundreds of decisions about business. They're under pressure. They don't have a lot of time. They probably don't have enough data. So then how can they do that in a way that provides the best outcomes for all their stakeholders? And that's looking at it holistically in terms of the decision that might be really good short term for tomorrow morning may not be very good long-term. So I would love to be remembered for helping people balance the short-term requirements with the long-term responsibilities. And in that way, running better businesses. Awesome. Now, in today's world, there are many people out there that are struggling to define themselves and find their purpose and figure out what they are about. What's some advice that you would give to somebody who is struggling to find their purpose? 
I would start from the question of what matters most to me and then answer why is that? You just need a, a blank piece of paper, you know, what matters most to me and then why? And then from there, start to say, well, what, what are my core values or themes that are running through this? And then start thinking about outcomes. But also to be clear, I don't think anyone can really know their complete purpose for sure until they know. And what I mean by that is, I mean, I also speak with a lot of young people. They might be in their mid-20s and they're like, oh, I need to define my career. You don't need to define your career. I mean, you can't define your career because we don't even know what careers will look like. What you can do is understand your values and what you like to do and the intersection between those two with what someone's willing to pay you for. You know, most of us have to earn a living. So I don't go in for this, you know, just do what your passion is. I don't think that that's particularly useful advice on its own. I think do what your passion is that links with your values that you can get paid for. Also, you don't need to look always at short-term gratification. It might not be the job right now that makes the difference. It could be four jobs down the line. But if you're aware and directed on how you're building, then that's okay. So just to come back to what I said, start with a blank piece of paper, explain what matters most to you and why, link that to your values, and then start thinking about how do I use this to create what it is that I want to do or I want to be or the change I want to see in the world. That's fantastic advice. I love that. Thank you much. And I've got one very, very important question for you, and I hope you're ready for it. Do you ever make it down to Texas? Yes. Yeah, the answer is yes, and it's a great question. I love Texas. I've had the opportunity to visit most of the large cities in Texas. I've flown through Fort Worth so many times I can't count them. My wife loves Texas. We had a beautiful trip and she learned that driving 500 miles is normal <laughs> in Texas. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, we were in Austin and going to visit some friends of hers near Dallas and we were getting in the car and the hotel asked us, do you have far to drive today? I said, well, we're going to Dallas. It's about 500 miles. I said, well, that's not a long drive at all. And my wife looked at them. My wife's from Italy. She looked at them like they were insane. She's like, what are these people saying? I said, this is Texas. 500 miles is like going to the grocery store. So yes, I do make it to Texas and I love Texas. <laughs> that's great. Well, knowing that we love to drive, next time you come down to Texas, let me know. I'd love to buy you dinner. Give me a shout. Thank you, Ray. I'll do that. Oh, you got it. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to get to know more about you and your services, is there a website or email they can go to to link up? Yeah, sure. They can check out Thinking Dimensions, and the website is thinkingdimensions.com, all one word. Uh, they can also follow me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy. I'm the only Scott Newton in Italy. So if, if you want to be unique for something, just move to a country where no one has your name. If you put Scott Newton Italy or Scott Newton Thinking Dimensions into LinkedIn search, you'll find me as well. And then I've got a bunch of blogs and posts and things, but they all link back to those two sources. I would love if people have the opportunity to learn more and find out more and open a discussion. That's great. And thank you so much for being a part of our show today. We've been able to gain many insights and takeaways from your journey in life. It's been incredible. Thank you, Ray. It's been a great discussion. And I hope we can do it again sometime in person. I'm writing a note, book trip to Texas. <laughs> I'll be waiting and I'll free up the day for you. Amazing. Balanced Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goltney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, 
Finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination. And it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.